Vincent the Dude. I'm the king of the world! Well, <laughs> lost your head a little bit there. What are you doing? I wonder oh, why are you are we on air? The... I didn't know we were on well, air yet. you know what? You know what's been announced? What? You know what's been announced? The, the, the Beast. It's coming. The Beast is coming to an Ooh. iceberg near you. Take a look at this video real quick. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Try to contain myself while watching this. Is that the Edmunds Fitzgerald? That is Titanic. <laughs> it did have a sister ship, though. Oh. It's 9,090 pieces, 1.3 meters long. That's 4 feet 5 inches. It cost uh, an eyeball-watering $630 that I'll have to convince Whew. my wife to let me do. But won't it look great next to my Maersk vessel? Take a look at this. Look, uh, so, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, how big is that Maersk vessel? How big is that? That is like maybe about uh, 2 feet at most. Okay, so most, great. Yeah. yeah, no, it'll look awesome. But only like that. 1,400 pieces. So this is like no. nine times, 8 times, 9 times bigger. Much, yeah. much bigger. Yeah. Yeah, it's time for you to graduate to the big boy stuff, man. I got to convince the wife. You got a good argument for me? Um, I'd, I'd, I'll come up with one. Do it's cheaper than golf. It's, cheap, it's cheaper than golf. It That's is cheaper my than golf. It's cheaper than blowing a couple hundred bucks at the bar with the boys. Yeah. Um, and you're interacting with your children. Yeah, dude, it's a solid investment. You're with your boys. Your boys love All to right. do it with you, right? Well, if I, if I hit any headwinds, maybe I'll put like a GoFundMe out there or something. Like We've we got to make this take. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's tip the band, man. Autonomous trucks are coming with a huge potential windfall if you're ready to seize it. Start reengineering your supply chain for autonomy today. Contact. Tell them, dude. Hey. Go to locomation.ai for turnkey solutions immediately after this show. All right, now we have, uh, how many knuckleheads are there? They're, oh, they're, they're, there's, there's three different guys here now. There's TJ Knudsen, Tony Darnell, and Peter Kemp. They're here to announce a new transportation club that they're putting together. Gentlemen, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having us, Tim. Thanks So, uh, TJ, what's the big announcement? I know you guys just launched this thing, so put it out there. Yeah, it's the, uh, the Northern Indiana Transportation Club. Uh, if you look at a lot of uh, the transportation clubs throughout the uh, the nation here uh, with the LTNA, um, most are, are, are more city based. Uh, but, you know, northern Indiana with with its, um, you know, manufacturing and, and uh, large uh, supply chain and, and being the crossroads there, uh, there isn't t- too many huge cities, but it's a huge area. So, um, you know, we decided to do it that way. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's been received well, and we look forward to, uh, you know, really putting it together and, uh, you know, helping some good causes and, and uh, helping the industry. Very cool. So now that now we've been through this great transformation over the past 18 months, right? And you got this hybrid in-person versus that. And I've been involved in some uh, transportation clubs that were just a bunch of guys sitting around and playing golf every once in a while and handing each other's kids, uh, um, you know, scholarships and that type of stuff. What are you guys doing different here? Why, why is this one cool? Yeah, how do you modernize it? You gonna play How, some squid games? how about a squid game instead of golf? No, 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 number one is uh, is we will have a full uh, Lego networking event. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm there. Can you, you sponsor my Titanic? <laughs> you got to keep you know, the costs you know, under the ten cents things, a block, though, right? Ten cents yeah, a block right. is the is mean. <laughs> one of the big things we wanted to make sure we did was um, was start to connect more people with with uh, you know in the industry with with shippers and and, and kind of take the shipper carrier broker thing and bring it together, you know. The, the impact that it has on has had on my career to be able to make a relationship with Tony, um, you know, and, and Pete Kemp here too, as well. Uh, Pete's our vice president, Tony's, you know, executive director. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something that a lot of people have got into networking, understand the value of it now. And I think that things are starting to loosen up. They want to start doing it in person more. 
Um, there's a lot of good causes out there that we could do. Of course, you know, you're going to have your golf outings, but mm-hmm. it's really about that connection and bring people together. So Pete, what's my experience going to be like? Pete, what's my experience going to be like if I join this club? Oh man, one, it's going to be a hell of a time. So really when we looked at, uh, transportation clubs across the United States and, and talking to Brad from St. Louis, you know, what are the purpose, what's the intent in you know, learn, taking the vision that TJ and Tony wanted to make this thing something special. So we're going to bring across the Northern half of the state. I think that's first and foremost that we want to do from Lafayette to Muncie to Fort Wayne, South Bend, the region up there by Gary. So the goal is, is to connect everybody. So when we come together and we have these regional networking events, the goal is to, attach everybody to a centralized location to discuss what's going on in the industry, what they're trying to achieve. Um, and, you know, post-COVID, we have all these different startups. We have all these different, you know, new crazy ideas to make great things happen. And, you know, to be able to allow these entrepreneurs, these individuals to expose the rest of the industry to what they have going on throughout Northeast Indiana to support economic development. So obviously, you know, I'm always down for a, a great Lego building networking session around a golf. But the intent of this is for people to allow themselves to uh, network, exchange goods, ideas, services to help commit to the growth of economic development in northern Indiana. So that could be done over the beer, the golf course, Legos, whatever that may be. And I'm sure there could be some freaky deaky things that we do up here in northern Indiana that you're not going to find anything else. Uh, it may be a cow tipping event, corn mazes that we're making our own corn maze. Like uh, we got Fright Night. We talked Chucky before the show. Maybe we do like a trucky driving a truck. I don't know. We got some crazy things going on, man. And so I'm excited to bring it along and just to be a part and to take Tony and TJ's vision and make it a reality. Well, now I got to ask Tony, have you ever been involved in an extreme fun house? I don't know if you've heard of those before, but like <laughs> you go to these experiences and they like, they like waterboard you. They cover you in like meat and like throw flies on meat? you. It's a horrible experience. Tony, you ever done one of these? I, I think I've been the subject of a couple of those. I don't know if I participated actively, uh, willingly. <laughs> Tony, what do you bring to the table here? Why did you join up with these two? Well, I, I, I like a lot of the northern Indiana, uh, the ideas that we got going on here. We've got a port and Gary that, and guy involved there. We've got the rail. There's rail spurs everywhere. We've got intermodal stuff happening, uh, the traditional truck stuff. It's just it's everywhere. There's so much manufacturing. There's so much. A, there's a, such a diverse economy in agriculture, manufacturing, steel. There's just almost every aspect of transportation you can think of is fundamentally right in northern indiana and we just wanted to get them all yeah so uh, uh tj tell me uh what what's on the plans here to make action happen other than cow tipping which i'm totally down for that i will be there for the lego event and i will be there for the cow tipping because that is a lot of fun if you've never done it before actually but so how yeah. do you guys break the huddle and get things done man because that's the name of the game we got to get things done. obviously yes. we've got some issues in the supply chain how you breaking the huddle and not just congratulating each other and getting something done yeah, yeah, the, the cornhole tournament won't be till the spring. Uh, so, um, but but yeah, that's that's a big thing. That's a big thing for us. Um, you know, we've got the website about to launch here. Um, our first event's going to be early January. Once we get through the holidays, we want to get a little bit of marketing out there, get some people involved and, and uh, added as members. But that's the biggest thing is those conversations. I've gained so much from that, having the podcast, I hold my beer, having, you know, just being able to meet people and, and know, uh, you know, who's doing what. And you have those conversations when people are struggling. You know, uh, you, you look at some of these manufacturers, some of these pharmaceutical uh, companies that are that are in northern Indiana, and they could be sitting there having a conversation about what they're struggling with. And somebody else has, has been dealing with the same thing. And there's a lot of ideas, a lot of solutions being thrown around. 
Um, I think that's the biggest thing that uh, that we uh, we want to bring to the table is is um, you know just who, who could be a value add where, and sometimes it's just making a relationship and, and having those conversations and, and benefiting from that. Um, and that that's what we want to you know bring to the table, and, and also you know give back. You know we'll be raising money for for some good causes and and uh, you know see where it takes us. No, I hear you. And here's my piece of advice, though. So I, when I was in my younger days, and my, when I first got in this industry, I was in some transportation clubs. And yeah. I, the biggest turnoff that I had in those clubs was too many old speakers. Like, it just seemed old and crusty. It was just old white dudes, 50, 60-year-old guys, and no opportunity for younger speakers. So you didn't get engaged with it. And yeah. those, those type of groups would never grow because right. you're not bringing anyone new in. It's just it, 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 it can be um, a, a CJ. All right, if you know what that means. Um, so, guys, stay away from that, right? Keep, keep it open. Keep it positive. Keep it good. Um, Pete, I know that you're out there uh, at a challenging time right now, so I thank you for your time and coming on the show today. Uh, TJ, if people want to get involved with this, where do I send them to? Uh, you could go to uh, the Northern Indiana Transportation Club LinkedIn page first. Uh, NITclub.org will be launched here soon. Um, you can follow me, Pete, Tony Darnell, Josh Hunter, uh, or Anton King on uh, LinkedIn as well and for more updates. But We'll just keep pushing more and more out here as, as uh, we get closer and closer to the holidays. Well, here you go. Opening cowbell on your transportation club. Thank you, guys. Take it easy. Have a nice weekend. All right. Thanks, guys. See you all. Thank you. Sounds Pretty good, cool. man. Pretty cool. I'm, I, would like a nice, I would like a cool transportation club. That's what, that's what we need. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's three cool dudes, man. Yeah. They got a chance at making it that way, right? They're doing they sure it fresh. Do. They're doing it, and I agree with you 100. Don't get the old stodgy stuff. You don't yeah. need polyester suits and cigars. You need yeah. you, you need some like, young uh, guys. Your you need bring in the dude with the edibles in his pocket. Talking about a really smart, <laughs> young gentleman who does not have edibles in his pocket. It's Finch Fulton. He's vice president of policy and strategy of Locomation. This is a man concerned about safety and making sure autonomous vehicles are launched the right way. And due to that, I think you've just been named to the PAVE board. So speaking of cowbells, let me give you a couple of those. Fulton, thanks for coming to the show. Thanks. Happy to be here. Awesome stuff. Hey, so tell us I about did. I did. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, man. Well, look, I'm from Alabama, so you're used to the cowbell worries me. We play Mississippi State this weekend. Uh, but so in this last week, I did just join the Partnership for Automated Vehicle Education Board. And the point of this group is that you got to get the key messaging. People need to understand what is real and what is marketing with automated vehicles. You got to help people understand the actual capabilities and the actual limitations of where AVs are today. And what we see is companies that promote themselves as full self-driving now that aren't are hurting everybody and they're putting people at risk because people over uh, rely on these systems that aren't intended to do the driving themselves. So it's all about helping the public understand and helping the regulators understand what is going on in reality with automated vehicles. And, you know, what we see is people don't trust what they haven't seen or experienced. Um, skepticism comes from this lack of knowledge and exposure. Most people haven't seen an AV, but the people that have had a chance to interact with actual AVs uh, in Pittsburgh, for example, where you can see them all over the place, they have a much higher opinion of them. They understand them better. So what we got to do is we got to make sure people can interact with these vehicles, see demonstrations, and even ride in an AV so they can feel more comfortable and understand what they're dealing with. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned that because a big storyline that was going on over the past couple of weeks was uh, the Tesla FSD, right? People like going on YouTube yeah. and almost gamifying to your own driver base as these sort of beta testers uh, on roads. And I think it creates yeah. a pretty huge safety concern. Yeah. Are situations like that a, a, a negative for the industry, in your opinion? Oh, yeah. It makes everybody feel more concerned about what the technology is. And I should clarify that those Tesla users doing that are just engaging in illegal activity and posting it online. Mm -hmm. So 
that's already illegal. They can't do that. But, you know, if you talk about the way people see these, their their perceptions impacted by, you know, companies like that doing that, uh, you know, 53% of people feel less safe sharing the road with the self-driving semi-truck. Only 11% feel safer right now, which is concerning. But what we also know is a different study shows that 60% of people are worried about sharing the road with trucks today, conventionally driven trucks. So people are afraid of trucks. You can make the argument that people are more afraid of trucks than they are self-driving trucks. It just depends on how you ask them. Um, but people, you know, people are more afraid of trucks because of their size and having to share the road with them than they are of the technology. Um, you know, and anecdotally, people feel more comfortable driving near an automated driving system or an automated vehicle than they do near a teenager, somebody very clearly texting, or like a very senior citizen. I mean, it's not hard to think about the people you've seen on the roads that you would rather that person be replaced with an automated vehicle. Yeah, Finch, I would argue that uh, uh, there's a good, uh, a healthy amount of fear that that needs to be there, right? Because then you don't gamify yeah. things like they're doing with that Tesla stuff. But I also get what you guys are doing. They're trying to kill that hype and create good expectations because, you know, Dooner and I are still upset we don't have flying cars yet because that's what we were sold when we were kids, right? They're uh, coming. Yeah, well, I hope they do because I'll be I'll be buying one. That'd be very cool. So, how are you guys doing stripping down this hype, but but also maintaining the fact that this is a good thing moving forward, right? So you got to strip down some of that craziness that people yeah. think is going to actually happen, but then also promote the fact that this is a really good thing moving forward, and it brings some really exciting uh, things to the future, right? How do you balance those two things? Yeah, so people don't generally think about or realize how dangerous the roadways are. There's nearly 40,000 fatalities every year on American roads, uh, and humans are the critical factor, the critical reason behind 94% of them. If you ask people how safe an AV should be, they generally want to baseline it against humans, but they generally think humans are 85% more safe than they actually are in reality. So that's of concern. It's hard to have a baseline for how, how safe these vehicles need to be if people just assume humans are a lot safer than they are. But if we think about trucking, you know, being a truck driver is the fourth most dangerous job in the U.S. Every year, there's about 110,000 crashes where you have to have a car towed away, 60,000 large truck crashes that cause an injury, and 5,000 fatalities or 5,000 trucks involved in a fatal crash. So obviously, when a truck gets into a crash, typically it's the other people that die. But still, 850 of these fatalities are the truck drivers themselves. And what we see is those numbers are only increasing with everything going on with COVID and the roadways and everything. So if you look at these crashes and if you look at the truck drivers that are dying out there, you know, three fourths of these fatal truck crashes are caused by the other people on the roads, the other mm -hmm. vehicles, mm -hmm. people in the roads, animals in the roads, deer or things falling off another vehicle. Only the final fourth do you see, can you start equating that to the trucker's action? And that makes sense because these are trained professionals that do this for a living and safety is their life. Um, but in cases where the truck driver's the critical factor, it's speeding, it's lack of sleep, it's inattentiveness or aggressive driving. So when you start looking at these automated vehicle technologies, first, the best thing for a truck driver would be to automate the other vehicles on the road. But as you, as you start bringing in these safety technologies into trucking, and if you have a human-centric approach like we do, uh, it looks like studies have shown that you can get a 32% reduction in these truck crashes by automating the truck itself. And that equates to real lives saved. And I think if you can get that comfort, if people understand the baseline for how dangerous it is out there and what actually causes those crashes, they can understand that these technologies, even if they address speeding, even if they remove the incentives to speed, even if they help drivers get more sleep, all of which locomation does with its two truck link convoys, 
you can increase safety while keeping the human in the loop uh, to manage some of these things that these, you know, edge case situations where, you know, machines don't know how to handle. Machines are very good at paying attention to a roadway for hours and hours at a time. They're not necessarily good at managing situations they've never seen before. That's where mm. humans really are excel, managing situations that they've never seen before and using context to figure it out. Well, so Finch, this is why I think an evolutionary approach that keep the drivers at the center really is going to be the stepping stone to improving safety for all on the roadways. So Finch, let me ask you this then, uh, those drivers. So I know a lot of drivers, There's actually a driver coming on next, and they look at these things with, at the lower end, a healthy bit of skepticism. On the more average end, a lot of skepticism because they see it as like, these are going to take our jobs. They're going to reduce rates. They're going to change yeah. the capacity and the dynamics of the market. But you still rely on them to be safety drivers and all that. So how do you get buy-in from a driver where, when they see this as a threat? Yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense. One, they need to be able to experience and engage with the technology so they can understand how it improves their safety. Uh, two, if you look at the way the dynamics of the trucking sector are impacted, no truck driver that's driving today should worry about losing their jobs. Yeah. And the truck drivers of tomorrow will have a different sort of market they can engage in. And as you know, the average truck driver is 48. Uh, they choose truck driving as a second occupation, generally speaking. And so when you're talking about tomorrow's truck drivers, they will have a different market that they can choose to be trained for, uh, bring in, be uh, trained for some of these premium jobs where you can have these trucks that generate twice the revenue and they can take advantage of this technology, whether it's a human centric approach or not. We know that the machines are not capable of doing all the things a human can do. We can use, we can work with truck drivers so that this technology can work for them, not instead of them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, excellent, excellent stuff. I mean, so what do you say to the timeline of what's going on here? Because some of the argument against, you know, the drivers that are scared about uh, scared about this or fearful for their jobs is that we're short of drivers. This isn't going to fix the driver shortage in any near term, correct? Not in the near term. Um, you know, even if everyone was ready to produce all the self-driving trucks that were solo driverless with no drivers in there, it would still take nine years for the entire fleet to turn over. Mm. Um, and that technology is not ready yet. You know, most companies are looking at production value in numbers around 2027, uh, where you're going to hit it up to where you have numbers that actually start to impact it. And even then, most of the trucking companies have indicated they wouldn't be ready. So you're going to see this becoming a rolling effect where as more and more companies get experience with it, show the benefits of it, improve the value, that's when you'll start seeing those numbers pick up. And that kicks that number out many years. And so truck drivers should understand that this is going to be a long slope. They'll be able to work with this technology. And if they do it right, they can take advantage of it to make their lives better in the process. Finch, hey, thank you for putting the message out there. One thing I really appreciate about you is when you come on here, you're not like a hype man for the technology. You're being realistic with the hurdles that you have to go through, uh, both with people, both mm -hmm. with yep. regulatory, both with the participants and stakeholders in the supply chain like drivers. So, you know, it seems like automation is coming one way or another, and it seems like it's in good hands with you directing some of it now that you're on that paved board. So thanks for joining us on the show and giving us a little bit clarity on what direction that this technology is going in. Yeah, thanks for having me and roll tide. <laughs> <laughs> Man. <laughs> he had to jump that in right at the end. Now, okay, well, Taylor Barker's here. He's the owner-operator. for that one, man. <laughs> he's owner-operator at Hennef Transportation. Taylor, you don't strike me as the kind of guy who's looking to jump into uh, a robot truck anytime soon. No. No, actually not. Uh, 
I don't Go think Vols. he's going <laughs> to. Yeah, it's going to say no, he doesn't you. sound like a guy who's going to slip in a roll tide in there at no. the end either. No, well, you're, ta- you're a tanker driver. Tankers are really interesting, and I learned something about them through a horrible story. And, um, and we posted this on Twitter like a couple weeks ago. It was those people who they had a tanker to wash, right? And they had to clean the tanker, and the two guys went inside yeah. the tanker, and they uh, they died. So, Taylor, and I don't mean to laugh there. I mean, it was horrible. Uh, Taylor, um, tell us a little, uh, real quickly about a little bit of tanker safety there at that wash thing so one of these situations doesn't happen again. Well, uh, first off, uh, a lot of times in cases like that, when you hear about people dying, uh, uh, nitri- uh, a lot of times the flammable uh, hazmat loads are, are unloaded with nitrogen. So when you get down in a tank, the residue of, of, of the nitrogen is still in there and there's no oxygen. So mm. you'll, you'll hit the ground just about as soon as you hit the, as soon as your feet hit the, hit the tank bottom, you're probably going to hit the ground. Uh, and that's a big no-no in, in tanking is you never get inside the tank unless you're, uh, you, you test it and uh, uh, there's a, a procedure you have to go through. Yes, yeah, so this might be a, that so, might have been a case of somebody who just didn't know what the heck they were doing. Obviously, they didn't know what the heck they were doing, but why that was a truck wash, I believe. Yeah, it was, yeah. A, it was a truck wash. But I, why would they go inside the tank yeah. in a truck wash? I, well, I, aren't are, are there specialized tanker truck washes? You can't just bring that to any. Tr- Usually, you couldn't just bring it through any truck wash, could you? No, no, we go through a tank wash. You know, they they're they're real strict about how they clean our tanks. You know, they uh, our water doesn't get out in the, in the water system. You know, uh, it's all captured. Uh, it's, it's, it's highly regulated and, uh, and, and, and the, and the washers themselves are very trained. They know the ins and outs. And, and when you have a truck wash and you hire some 18 year old kid off the street, uh, and don't train him properly, he doesn't know that, you know, mm. and, and I'm not speculating on what happened on it, but there was a lot, uh, on that article that just didn't make sense in my field, you know, Tell- Taylor, what are your favorite topics is, uh, is the White House. <laughs> and, uh, uh, <laughs> we don't have to slag any administrations or anything like that here. But, the, I mean, look, they're trying to get involved in supply chain. They, they have this meeting, and they're repeating this, a lot of the same messages we hear from the big associations. Drive, like, blame it on a driver shortage. But, you know, blame, blame it on this. And it doesn't seem like a ton of action is going to come for it. They only invite the biggest participants to the table. And I realize that they can create network effect. But it kind of seems like... Business as usual and a press release to the mainstream media will say, oh, you know, the administration's doing something. Do you think the government can do anything about the like what's going on in supply chain, at least insofar as trucking is concerned? And should they or should they stay the hell out of it? Uh, I'll take stay the hell out of it for 200, Dooner. Uh, (laughs) And I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you why. Just in a nutshell, uh, this is private sector. and, And I just don't think that. The White House coming in and, and, and putting their nose in our business is almost like me coming in, putting my nose in your business. I don't know anything about producing a radio show or a podcast like you do, uh, you know, and the team you work with. So why would I be the one to regulate it or, or try to, to operate it? You know what I'm saying? When I clearly don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And that's that's kind of how I feel. You know, uh, I mean, we, we have the. The, the, the biggest name in transportation on maternity leave right now in a yeah. crisis. I mean, well, Taylor, <laughs> and, and also, I mean, they, they just appointed, <laughs> yeah. we haven't had a maritime administrator since, um, since actually January 6th when our maritime administrator resigned and they mm-hmm. just appointed it a new one. Uh, it's a lady with Navy qualifications, but not on the logistics side, not on the, the maritime financial movement side. And it, it seems like they're just, it, it's government as usual. They're putting another person that's not qualified into a position and it, it makes it, it's hard to feel confident in these, in this decision-making. 
you know, as an American, I'll just say this. I, I just don't think it's that much of a rocket scientist topic to, to put people in jobs, hire people in jobs that are qualified. You always get a better outcome, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. You do, but these are becoming political. They're political. It's going to be a political appointments. Is, well, it's is, a political is what appointment is too. Well, I, I, mean, I mean, it is. I mean, it is, and that's what that's what screws it up. And then you've got other interests that get involved with this. I mean, because everybody's worried about the economy, and it becomes a national security type of issue. Sure. Is logistics the supply chains a national security? And some would argue that it is, and that really muddies the waters, right? Well, Taylor, I think truckers' perspectives are incredibly important, especially on this show, because they often don't get covered in the, in the articles and the press releases and all of those kind of things. So from your seat, what are you seeing as a tanker driver right now? What's the, the, the good and bad of trucking? Well, tanks, what I've what I hooked to and, 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 and pull, but my windshield view is the same as any other truck mm. driver out here. I'm seeing, a lot of, I'm seeing a lot of traffic. I'm seeing no place to park. So the driver, whole driver shorter thing, shortest thing just doesn't uh, fit the narrative of what I'm seeing out my windshield. Uh, at nighttime, there's still no place to park. Everything's still a cluster. Uh, there's still traffic jams in the big cities and a lot of them are trucks. You know, now through COVID, uh, when everybody was locked down, you could actually go in a truck stop at night. And I would have bought the driver shortage then. But, you know, what I'm seeing out my windshield uh, uh, doesn't fit the narrative. So I don't, I don't know if there is or not. I, I drive a truck. Mm-hmm. But I know that I have a hard time parking at night still. And if you don't get in here at three, four o'clock in the afternoon, you're still not going to find a place to park. So, well, I would, I so would shortage, assume you decide. I would assume from 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 that that you would uh, argue that the infrastructure is not there. If there is a driver shortage, you're not going to put a whole lot more on the road with the infrastructure currently the way it is. How do you feel about the infrastructure bill that's coming through? Uh, well, I probably don't. I, I get so frustrated with, with, with what's going on politically in, in my in my industry that, to be honest with you, I don't think it'd be fair for me to answer that question because I don't know enough about it to uh, to answer it because that's how frustrated I am. I just don't want to hear no more, you know? Yeah. Just leave me alone, let me do my job, and, and, and that's to the point I'm at now because I can't believe half of what I hear. And, and, and I think that's a, it's a great responsibility to for these people to tell the truth and, and you know, I, I get people think it's a trucking issue. You know, we're short of trucks, but if there's nothing to haul because it's on a cargo ship, then is it is it is it the trucking issue or is it a a supply issue? You know, you know, well, we see I, one thing and they tell us another, and that's the scary part. And I think mm-hmm. that's the scary part about. And this is this is a bipartisan criticism. I mean, there are dumb ideas coming out of both sides here. There's the uh, that Republican representative over in California who wants to ban the cargo ships off the coast of Orange County. So I mean, this isn't just about. It's a bipartisan yeah. infrastructure bill. It doesn't have parking, and it's not necessarily about one administration. It's just. It, it's scary to get politics too close to this kind of stuff. Because as you said, time and time again, they prove that instead of putting someone qualified in that position, they're going to put someone that is for political points that they can control, yep. that's going to vote the way that they can and can influence exactly the measures right. that they can. And we repeat this cycle of abuse over and over again. And trucking is one of those industries that gets kicked at the bottom of it over, constantly, constantly. And I couldn't agree with you more about that. And, and, and as we say in trucking, you can't fix stupid. <laughs> No, you can't. We almost have to go way back in the day when they used to drag the president in kicking and screaming, you know, and let, let's let's force Taylor Bar- Barker to be <laughs> the czar over logistics, right? Well, Taylor, no. what's, what, what, but you what, know what? Go on, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
<laughs> I was just gonna ask you what. So what's up? I know you out. You you love playing music, and you played some. You played some tracks on this, and I know that your real your real joy though is getting out to places like Gats, right, and setting up and and busking yeah, and yeah. and playing for the crowds. You getting out to some shows, and you looking forward to that this uh, at least into 2022. 2021's been like a weird year. Well, we got uh, at the end of this month. We have an Ar- a, sh- a truck show in Arkansas, uh, American Truckers Jubilee in Searcy, Arkansas, with Bill Weaver and uh, uh, David Michaels and uh, Tamara Tamara from Shipping Wars will be there. Mountain Man, There's a bunch of people are going to show up. But next year, we're we're looking forward to Matt's because uh, Gats is no longer, from my understanding. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're we got we got some stuff in in line and uh, one thing in of transportation for the opportunity to go to these shows. They've been really good to me uh, as far as uh, getting me there, and and we just have a great time. And uh, hopefully, if my ship coin does what it's supposed to do. We won't need sponsors. <laughs> well, well, tell me about that. How? So, <laughs> I, it's not just you. At, at first, during like the Doge craze, I was like, it's just Taylor who's. And I was getting a little worried because you're starting to get into like some of the shit coins, <laughs> like like uh, like. Although maybe Shib isn't anymore, but there's like Moon Coin, those kind of things. Some that were just like overnight scam cryptos. But you stayed in the game. You're still at it, or are you doing well on your holdings? And why yeah. do you think that crypto has been so popular with truckers lately? Well, I think that we're just bored and looking looking to get rich. I don't know, like anybody else. But but you know, you do the math. I, I don't do Bitcoin. I don't do Bitcoin because you know it's like sixty thousand dollars, and the chances I got to double my money, or I'm not want to mess with it. So the chances of uh, Bitcoin going to one hundred twenty thousand is slim to none right now. But when you have a coin that's got ten zeros on it and it's at a one, <laughs> the chances of it going up the next move up is a two. That's double. So yeah, you're gonna make some money. So <laughs> that's why I kind of steer with the with the off coins. But but ship just jumped like three hundred fifty percent in the last week. So I know. So my it was, mom, it's been she, really my- good. My mom has a Shiba Inu, Inu, my parents do, and she said she was walking the dog out in Boston, and these construction workers, they started cheering. They started cheering, sheep, 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 at, at the dog. And I was like, well, okay, but if it goes down, don't walk that way yeah, again. Yeah, don't go that they, way if it goes that down. That emotion may turn well, the, other, the other direction. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, you look at the big players in the game, and when you, uh, when you see Elon Musk uh, uh, posting a picture of his dog, and he names him Floki, then the first thing I'm doing is going on hot bit and, and finding the Floki coin because it just <laughs> jumped about 200%. So, <laughs> you know, every, every time the man talks, it goes up. And I take advantage of that because the next day I'll cash it out and buy more ship, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, there you go. So it's just kind of what we do. Sound investment up. advice. <laughs> One day he's going to have enough sheep to buy freight waves. You'll be my boss, Taylor. It'll be a great time. Hey, you'll have it made too. And also, uh, I, you know, uh, Dooner, I always compliment your your wardrobe because it's unique and cool. But today, dude, you got it going on with the, Thank with you, the brother. Pink Floyd. That, I hey, appreciate that's, that's my hair right there, brother. I, I'm with <laughs> so you, man. Pink Floyd. And I was going to say, I like your hat, man. Let's promote that Attica on your hat there, my friend. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Attica, all truckers together against child abuse. Mm-hmm. Amen. A little cab up for them. Probably. Absolutely. Well, Taylor, hey, uh, throw right. your uh, throw your Twitter address for anyone who wants to follow and get some insight into being a trucker, tanker, and uh, and your and your random thoughts on uh, altcoins. Uh, Taylor, uh, Twitter is uh, Taylor Built, T A Y L O R B I L T, Taylor Built. Uh, if you follow me, I follow you back. Uh, uh, as far as the coins go, man, uh, hey, it's you know it's a gamble, but uh, go shiv and uh, <laughs> go vols. Well, hey, man, good, go. good luck. We're, uh, we're rooting for you. Drive safe. Thanks for moving to America, and have a great weekend. Good stuff. Thank you, guys. Appreciate Thanks, you.
Love Taylor Manning. Salt of the earth, that gentleman. All right, with more than 1,500 maintenance bays offering light mechanical services and DOT inspections, Love's Truck Care and Speedco are invested in getting your drivers back on the road quickly and safely. Learn more at Tell em, Dude. Hey, go to loves.com right after this show. Untreated, severe, obstructed sleep apnea has a five times increase in your likelihood to die of cardiovascular Eww, causes. You don't want to do that. Using CCAP, CPAP can save your life. 50% don't wear CPAP because they hate headgear. Leaks and claustrophobia. Bleep sleep has changed that. Ryan Jensen, professional NFL player, he says this. From the moment I started using the mask-free solution, I immediately noticed a huge difference. Better sleep without constant leaks, not to mention no lines on my face or crazy bedhead hair from all the straps. Find out why Dreamport by Bleep is rated number one by visiting... Hey, go to bleepsleep.com. All right, speaking of getting out there in this hybrid virtual world in this weird year that 2021 has been, it's Ed Burns. He's a VP of Relationships at Burns Logistics. I just saw he was out on the scene shaking hands and rubbing elbows again. But before we even get to this, I have to ask him a question because okay. I've recently started getting college football since I moved to the South. Um, it's not really a big thing up in the Northeast unless BC is good, and they're not good that often. Well, I'm from Ohio. It's huge in Ohio, and I'm interested for the answer here. Yeah, this I, is so you be a went to game. the University of Miami, and you went to Penn State. Which school is yeah. is better, and which one has the better stadium crowd? Oh, that's a. I would say uh, Beaver Stadium is a better stadium crowd, mm. um, but Miami's just a lot of fun. <laughs> that is the answer I would give that's, every day of the week, that right? That sounds right. Yeah, that, that sounds, sounds exactly right. right. That's exactly exactly. Right. Also, Ed, I'm glad you're here. You almost died hiking last week, as I understand. I have a lot of near death experiences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Went, was uh, was out at a conference and and went with my wife. Turned it into into some fun travel as well. And we were hiking in Sedona. Uh, ran into a, a rattlesnake. Yeah. It was very but, exciting. But Ed, now the post on that, Ed, if I'm not mistaken, is the one where you start to doubt yourself and you're actually going the right direction, right? I mean, that, that, that was a yeah. great post and a great lesson. Talk about that idea a little bit. Yeah, so we're walking down this trail and, you know, we're in the middle of the desert and, uh, and it's hot. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sweating. I'm like, oh, man, I hope, I hope we're going the right way. And we, when we were walking along this trail and all of a sudden the trail changes a lot, but there weren't any signs and, and we just kept going. We ran into some other hikers who were sitting on the side of the path and they were like, oh my gosh, we're lost. Um, so I said, well, I'll run up ahead and, and see, see what's going on. So there was this uh, sign that said up ahead, double black diamond trails. So I was like, that sounds terrifying. I don't need that in my life. So um, <laughs> we turned around and went back the other way. The trail was a big loop. And we said, we'll try it again, but we'll start from the other end. And we did. And we wound up back at that very sign. So we had been going the right way the whole time. And it just wound up that we, we did it about twice in total. So it was twice the work. So my takeaway is that if you second guess yourself too much, you can wind up doing twice the work to go just as far. <laughs> well, and, and run into a rattlesnake at the same time. So very true. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and I've been loving all the pictures of seeing people get get back out at uh, events and bring community back together and all those. But one thing that that sticks out to me is when people are like, it's, you know, I couldn't network at all in a virtual world. Right. And I couldn't network at all in a hybrid world. And I, I look at that. And I'm like, that must, that says more about that that person, because I, if, if you are at least a little bit digital savvy, it was really, in my opinion, way easier to scale your network and make connections Amen. and start to have those conversations. And people were much more willing to meet virtually and, and, and have those uh, 
those great conversations. Um, what is your takeaway from, from the virtual world and going back into the in-person event world? Yeah, I think there's, there's some pros and cons, right? To, to your point, I think there were people who said, I can't do this before they even tried it. And that's kind of how it is in business. That's how it is with sales. There are people who are just so afraid of it. They say, I can't speak in public. Why? Why can't you? Because it's just because you're afraid. Oh, I can't, I can't go talk to strangers. Why? Because you're afraid. Um, you can overcome those fears and get good at anything. Um, and, and I, to your point, I think it's, it's very easy to, to network on LinkedIn. It's very easy to send a message to somebody. It's very easy to find out, um, to look at their profile and learn about them and then send a thoughtful connection request where you look at their profile and pick out a couple of things that are good conversation starters. It's very easy. It just takes some effort and takes Ed, some let time. Me ask you this. Ed, let me ask you this because every, like I was yeah. in sales, every salesperson, like what you love when you're a sales guy and you, you love when you get to go in the person's office that you're pitching to because you can look around and you can see what yes. kind of hotchkeys they have around, what kind of crap they have hanging on the wall. Oh, he's got the Adam Vinatieri kick against the Raiders. This guy loves the Pats. I can talk to him about some Pats. Yeah. I can, I get those, but thought that information's all over LinkedIn too. And I think that sometimes yes. salespeople, they, like they, they, they put some sort of mental lock or some sort of fear in the way when there's actually way more information available online about people that you can use to make those icebreakers. But so often salespeople yes. just jump right to the, like the pitch. Yep. They just like, they, it's like they don't, they don't get it. What do you think the impasse is there? Yeah, I don't, I think there's a tendency to forget oh, when we're using social media that we're talking to other people, Right we're losing a little bit of humanity. We forget that this is a person and they have thoughts and feelings and struggles just like you do, just like I do. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really easy to, to have that disconnection. And you see that, especially like there's a deterioration on some platforms like Facebook, you know, for example, with really nasty conversations, if, if there's any dialogue at all in, in the comment sections of a, of a lot of posts. But it's, it's because it's easy to forget that that's another human being. And it is so. No, go ahead, Ed. Sorry. Oh, so so, but if if we're relationship focused and we say this is another human person who I want to get to know and understand that they have hopes, dreams, and plans for the future, and they have struggles and difficulties and challenges that that they're facing at the same time, um, that's a person, and uh, and and we love people and we use things instead of the other way around, you know, then then we can connect. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. I think there's another aspect of this. And before we came on show, I, I was thanking Dooner for bringing this up about the change in the people not being able to connect uh, virtually, because I think it brought also uh, about uh, some new ideations into our industry and our logistics that weren't there before, because the opposite is true. People don't connect and have a fear of connecting personally face-to-face -face, and it brought some people and some ideations out uh, from people who could then kind of hide behind the technology if if you will but bring forth yeah. their ideas as well so i thought there was a, a really good aspect yeah, a, there as well yeah like social anxiety or something yeah. but you're not afraid if there's like a screen between you huge boon right or if you're a digital native yeah. huge boon if you're if you're good at networking in that and huge boon but you did get out to tca's truckload 2021 it looks like you were having some great connections and conversations there how was the event and what was the the atmosphere and the mood like that's it was a a very good event it was great um the tca membership as a whole was super welcoming that was my first tca event and I, yeah we're joining because of the experience there i thought um everybody who who worked for the organization or volunteered with it were just so friendly and 
and welcoming, which was great. Um, the overall mood I thought was a little strange because it seems like um, in the last couple of events that I've gone to, as we're as we're getting through this and doing more in person, there's there's an awkwardness and a shyness that I think people are getting reacclimated to being in a room full of other people uh, and getting used used to saying <laughs> hi to a stranger again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I thought there was a lot of that going on, um, but beer helps, you know. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. It does. A little oil, a little, you know, loosen up the joints a little. Bit. Well, Ed, I mean, I hope, yeah. I hope we see you out there on on the scene soon enough. Well, when we're back out uh, to there, but in the meantime, how do people connect with you and and have more conversations and, and network? Absolutely, yeah. Please feel free to to check out burnslogistics.com. My email is ed at burnslogistics.com. Feel free to reach out. I'm happy to uh, to make sure that that we meet, whether virtually or in person. Um, I would love that. And I'm pretty easy to find on LinkedIn. Wait, hold on. Oh, I have to, I have to call you out on one thing here. Yeah, yeah, you wrote yeah. on LinkedIn, my challenge to my connections today is to reach out to at least three people we haven't talked to in a while. Did you do that? Yeah, I did. I did. I got a little overzealous with it too. Oh, I'm not. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you reached out to four people. Four people. Put it actually. Well, that's that's a nice thing well, about running. Uh, yesterday. Yeah, I put that out yesterday, and then I started thinking about all the people who I hadn't reached out to in a long time, and I thought, oh my gosh, if they see this and they're not one of the three, they're gonna they're gonna take it personally. So I probably yeah. reached out to, to about forty something people yesterday, and it was great. <laughs> I have I've had it's bleeding into today on phone calls and, and the conversations and being able to reconnect with people who you haven't talked to in a, in a long time. It's awesome. Yeah, it is. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Ed. We have to connect with our next guest who we haven't spoken to in a long time. So you have a great weekend. Um, I was going to say something. I completely forgot. I don't know. Our next guest is. (laughs) Oh, you know what I was going to say? I was making that list. It reminded me of like, my only problem with it was it reminded me of like being an AA when you're supposed to make like the list of one of the steps. Oh, go apologize to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, So I had a little (laughs) negative flashbacks to that. Um, But I got to tell him, his strategy is great. And I I have to do this naturally because I book most of the guests on the show. So I'm reaching out to like 16 to 20 people a week. So like there's this constant reach out. But you know what I want to get better at? Because a lot of the relationship is just sort of like the transactional nature of getting on the show. Do tell. It's like the transactional nature of getting on the show. Yeah, and just yeah, maybe yeah. like having a more relationship outside of that. I do it with some people, but you know, there's just so much volume coming in. Yeah. We're congested yeah, yeah. or like a port of uh, Los Angeles. Anyway, it's Nico Brown. He's CEO of Monkey Business Consulting. He's got a wild shirt on today. Let's bring him up. What's up, man? <laughs> How's it going, guys? Nico, what's going on? You're a ringleader, you're a fighter, and you're trying to learn golf. What's happening around with you? I, I am. Uh, shout out to uh, Jason Dockney, I think is how you pronounce his last name, who got me obsessed uh, with golf uh, over the last two weeks. Uh, going from literally knowing nothing about the game except for, you know, there's normally a whole bunch of white guys walking around with clubs, uh, <laughs> to really really appreciating the game uh and like the actual strategy that goes into playing golf i probably will still not watch it but i'm Mm. really interested in getting to play it so have you started playing it yet nico no i was uh, gonna say you probably with uh what you do trey griggs over at uh, (laughs) lean solutions because he's always on the golf course i was guessing not because you were still thanking that guy for introducing you to the game well, speak- once you start playing it you won't be thanking Look, him i have so much. i i don't like golf because i was a caddy when i was 10 years old and i had to walk like a mile and a half to this oh, place gosh, yeah, i hated having to carry the and that's my that's my impression of it so i've avoided golf my entire professional 
career and it, it's gone it's gone fine but there's always this pressure especially in logistics because you have so like as you mentioned Everybody so many like, older white men with clubs that it, they just tend to gravitate towards it um yeah now, I guess you're trying to integrate yourself into that society now, Nico. <laughs> uh, I like mini golf. If you ever come down to Chattanooga, I'll take you out to some mini golf. Dude, I play mini golf all the time. I love mini golf. I, you know, and there's professional mini golf, too. Would you ever be Is a there? professional guy? Yeah, no. There's professional, professional tug of war, too. Yeah, well, there's, yeah, just about everything. But Did you know there's rules really in tug of war? Like, you can't do There's locking. rules of tug of war? In tug of war, like, you can't do things like locking. Like, locking is when you take your knee and you put your, your elbow behind it when you're pulling on the rope. Oh. Yeah, it's a strategy. Like, in Squid Game, it's a strategy you can use. But there's, they have to tug of war over, like, a 100-meter-tall gap. Oh, no, yeah. that's not good. Speaking of storytelling, yeah. uh, Nico, you, your big kick now is storytelling to, to sell brands. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, You know what? I... I came into this real realization when I was applying for jobs uh, before I started my own company in that I think that a lot of people are selling the wrong feature. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this whole thing about fab selling where it's, you know, feature and a benefit. But storytelling is kind of the inverse because it's, it's all benefit and you are the feature. So it's not about, you know, oh, you know, for trucking specifically, you know, a lot of trucking companies try to compete on the fact that they haul freight better than the other schmucks who haul freight. And that's just that's illogical to somebody who doesn't, you know, actively look in the back end of the trucking industry. So really what you should be doing is you should be selling the story of what you do different every single day in your company that's going to make a difference in the the ROI and the company and the cultures that deal with your company, whether it's your drivers, whether it's your carriers, anything, you have to keep telling the story about how well you're treating the connections that you've already made in order to make new connections. Yeah. So Nico, this is an interesting thing and it's becoming more and more important, I believe. And I'd like to get your opinion on it as well as we have techno technological advancements, right? And you have this, uh, you know, the transparency of data and the collaboration that is there and the digital brokers, et cetera. What you're talking about here becomes the focus and should become the focus of your business because now you have the chance to do that with that technology. Am I right? Yeah, you have the you have not only the ability to do it, but when you invest in, in a technology upgrade that benefits your workers or, you know, somebody inside of your company and you market that, that's saying not only do I care about the money that I make, like I care about the, the impression I'm leaving on the industry and I care about the people who are helping me make an impact. And, you know, that actually is why I'm so frustrated about this driver parking issue like why are we leaving our drivers to park on the back country road when they should be in secure parking lots mm. yeah no i, I got I agree uh, with you 100 there I, one thing that i like that you said a little bit earlier in this conversation was um the messaging and the storytelling and one kind that i see once in a while on linkedin that i always find a big turnoff is sort of like the negative storytelling like stepping on someone's head to make yourself look better and sometimes like there was a tms post some tms company had a post today and it was like i'm so sick of companies calling themselves uh tech companies when they just have like one tech person and our tms is all tech like wh what's the point of it? like what does that message say like that as a buyer that's just weird that makes that makes you sound catty no it it does sound catty and people understand that when you're giving a sales pitch you have an inherent bias mm. you're there obviously to sell something to them if you're telling a story 
and you make a compelling narrative, you're not trying to just sell somebody on buying something. You're trying to sell people on your value, so you're telling them the value that you bring. That should be the difference, because I can go to, like, if I'm looking to haul freight, I don't care if it goes through J.B. Hunt or Schneider or Night Swift or Bob's Discount Trucking it you know down the street from me nobody cares you all haul freight what you need to put out there is what you do besides hauling freight that should make me give a damn about your company so nico are you making the argument and and tell me what is the critical difference what are the nuanced as you say between marketing and branding uh marketing has a sales ask branding doesn't period that that's pretty specific. That's not nuanced at all, right? Yeah. Yeah, no. Dude, think about branding, okay? Like Apple. Look at Apple. Apple is an amazing branding company. And you know mm-hmm. why? Because they control every single part of their marketing push. You will never see an iPhone at a authorized Apple retailer that does not sit on either one of those like old school looking like Apple store uh wood tables. Or a shock, like, you know, pure white background. They require it in your agreement to carry the iPhone. And then when they get out and tell you about the new iPhone, they never ask you to buy it. Mm-hmm. When has Apple ever contacted you to tell you, hey, you should really buy this next iPhone? They don't do it. They put on a marketing spectacle that you're guaranteed to watch. And then they just tell you the price and then suckers go out and buy it. Yeah. That's branding. Hey, wait a second. Mm. I got an iPhone. <laughs> I actually have an SC. I downsized. I got the iPhone SC last year. I like it. It's smaller. They, they got like way too big for me. Yeah. They don't fit into my, uh, my track pants too well or, or my chair. I keep pulling them down. You, you, need, like, some, you need some giant ass cargo shorts for like those phablet type phones. Like you need some tight Max belts, ones. dude. Yeah, I know. To hold it up. Oh, like the holster side <laughs> yeah, thing? But then they were bending. Yeah, they're going to get you. Well, Nigo, we're almost out of time, so we got to ask you a stupid question, and I'll, I'll uh, we'll spin it. Spin it as a formality. Oh, okay. but I've already got one in mind. I'm going. Oh, okay. I'm going to go well, with the one in mind. Then it's going to land right here on. Uh, Just rig that wheel for choice. me. Yes. Oh, look at that. The wheel totally, is rigged. Totally okay. random. Okay, you are now a menu item at McDonald's. Ooh. What are you, and what what's it called? Ooh. I am a monkey latte. What what would that be? Oh. So, you take two shots of espresso. Mm-hmm. You put in a little bit of uh, soy milk. All right. And some banana liqueur. Mm-hmm. Whoa. And McDonald's? McDonald's? Oh, I love fancy it. McDonald's. Oh, I love this liqueur. McDonald's. Exactly. And a little bit of froth on top. Because my general thing, A, my company is called Monkey Business, so I had to tie it in somehow. But also, I'm always kind of high energy. I mean, come on, look at my shirt. And, uh, you know... You have to have that kind of soothing, uh, you know, milkiness in the background to kind of bring you back home. Right on. Beautiful. Well, Nico, the shot clock's gone off. You've run out of time. Go check out Monkey Business Consulting and Nico Brown. Have a great weekend, sir. We got to get to a little good news, bad news. How's the bad news and good news? Okay, good news. You're driving along past Heaven Hill Distillery in Bardstown, Kentucky, and things seem to be going well. That is good news, man. Bad news. (laughs) Bad news. You encounter a group of striking workers, you flip them off, and you end up flipping your own truck over, (laughs) according to 
<laughs> instant karma. According to Louisville Courier Journal, a non-union delivery driver was driving a truck with flammable cargo at an unsafe speed when he saw the UFCW local 23D workers on strike. Um, he took his hand off the steering wheel to make a threatening gesture. Then the truck veered off the road uh, out of control. It flipped over. Fortunately, um, even though it's a bulk, even though it's bulk bourbon, nothing spilled. So that was. Still I was going to say, there's even gooder. It's good, good news, bad news, and gooder news. There he is. <laughs> Hey, good news, man. If you're a protest, you're a protester at John Deere where over 10,000 employees are striking, you get to see a driver pull past in solidarity, man. We, I think look. we've got a video of this here as well. Check it out. Here you got guys going to pull in. You're there striking. This guy, total solidarity does not pull in. I'll tell you something. When I worked at Good FedEx Trade Networks, there was a strike going on, and... Um, I'm torn on these strikes sometimes because people get like awfully aggressive. But like I'm like I don't even I'm not even a part of your strike. Why are you throwing cans at me? Yeah, no, I and I went through it at at, at Roadway Express back in the early '90s and went through a strike there, a nationwide yeah. strike. And it was uh, we can talk about that some other time. The bad news here, though, potentially yeah. is this: this guy now didn't get to deliver his stuff. He could be marked with an abandoned load mm. drop, right? Yeah, he may be an owner operator that needed that cash to fund his next move, and he's late for the next one. He's got nowhere to put this stuff. So there's bad news and good news here, right? This could be bad for that guy. Yeah. Well, and he get insurance claims against him, insurance the and the receiver. There could be a lot going on there. So he he took a pretty big big risks there. I uh, hope it plays out well for him. Uh, bad news. Local media outlets across the country are trying to stoke fears that people are going to give away edibles as Halloween candy. I don't know who put that memo out to like <laughs> Sinclair over these broadcasting things, but they're all over the place. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah. they seem to be completely made up because the good news is edibles are expensive. So this is some major fake news. I mean, edibles are like 25 to $30 for like like 50 million, not like big things. These are not things you're just going to give out on Halloween. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, according to at least one Wisconsin resident, Milwaukee resident Joseph M. Roberts, he had this to say to parents about their children um, to hopefully put these fears to rest. There's absolutely no way I'm wasting my hard-earned drugs on your stupid bleep kids. I don't even like sharing with my friends. So what makes you think that I or any other reasonable adult would give them away for free? Do you know how expensive drugs effing word are? <laughs> all right that's absolutely great all right good news man here here's the good news man. yes dooner you are the last official wizard in the world Fantastic. my friend yeah the bad news is you're just laid off because the official wizard in the world the last official wizard in the world was in uh new zealand city of Christchurch, and he's been on the payroll for 23 years but they discontinued it man wow they can discontinued the uh position uh, so it's been the old last. This was the last city since 1982 to actually have an official wizard. Yeah, in 20 the, years he made about 368 thousand yeah. dollars. Here's some good stuff to bring you into the weekend. Here's the Unli the Onions headline of the week. Very this much awesome. inspired by the supply chain. It says uh, White House warns supply chain shortage could lead Americans to discover the true meaning of Christmas. Beautiful. <laughs> I love it. Here's a little catalog for you. It. Let's take a look at this video to bring you out. Throw this up here of Woody backing up and, and putting the hat on. Throw this video up here. Do we have it? Come on, guys. Throw that video there, up here. Oh, there it is. This there is we cool. go. This look at this. Cool. So we're seeing Don't the truck back. You can Woody. play the theme song over it. Don't we're seeing this truck it. back up. We got Buzz Lightyear coming here with Woody. Don't He's dropping the hat on top of his head. Don't. Beautiful. Don't look run at, over This him. is like that tea bag challenge. You ever see the truck drivers in London? They do. They try to bring the tea bag down. <laughs> You've got a friend in D. It's going to take all of us to get through this shipping crisis, people. It's going to take Buzz, Woody, Dooner, the dude, and you. Have a great weekend. Peace and love. Peace and love. Spread it everywhere.